Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Okay, church, good morning. Good morning, church. I know once we start talking and saying hi to someone, it's kind of good to keep going, but pick up that conversation, grab a cupcake, cup of coffee afterwards, and continue to connect with each other. If we haven't met before, my name's Derek, lovely to be here opening the Bible with you this morning. I want to do something a bit fun today, but I actually think it could be a bit challenging as well. So I I don't know what church tradition you've come out of, I don't know your past or the things you're in, but this morning I want to speak about the shout of victory. The shout of victory. And the bit that I think we're going to have fun with, but the bit I think you might find challenging, is we're actually going to shout. Yeah, yeah. So, now I want to acknowledge the fact that there is lots of different expressions. I mean, you read this book, you know, you know there is time for quiet reverence before the Lord. There, there is time for contemplation. There is time for the quiet streams. You know, and all of that's important. You know, the meditating on the word and what that means internally in our lives, that's an important practice of faith as well. You know, all of that is incredibly important. And I think we do a lot of, we, we pay a lot of attention to those things at Gateway. We speak about those things a lot. We encourage those practices a lot in our lives. But I just want to take another step today and say the shout of victory is also biblical. There's a lot of opportunity to shout. The Bible talks about shouts of praise, clap your hands, declare with a loud voice. In fact, the Bible even says that God is shouting uh, over us. And so this idea of the shout has some scriptural basis. And I want to explore it a little bit today. We're going to look at one of the great shouts in the Bible as we kind of prepare for it. But I want to remind you what a shout looks like and feels like. Because what, what I what, guess what I want to say this morning first up is that we're not shouting at God as if somehow the volume of our words does something to move him. That's not what the shout is about. What we're doing is we are shouting with God because God is shouting over us. And, and we have to understand what it means by shout. Shout not in the sense of an aggressive, overbearing tone, but this idea of euphoric revelation. Can you say that up to me? Euphoric revelation. Euphoric. There's a euphoria that actually precedes a shout. Do you remember this moment? I'm going to go to the video if I can and have a look. You remember this moment in the Matildas game? That is a euphoric shout, okay? (laughs) Now, if you were in my lounge room, we were running around the lounge. If you were at the stadium, you were probably doing that. It was an incredible moment. Does anyone remember that moment? I mean, now I know we didn't go on and... There wasn't many hands. What what kind of sport do you follow in here, people? Um, Only the greatest, most beautiful game in the world. Anyhow... um, The shout, the euphoria, because something was waiting to happen, and when we saw the manifestation of this thing happen, which was actually our heart cry, our hearts 
cried, yeah? There was like a squat and then release moment. And there was a euphoria. In fact, you can't help but shout when that euphoric sense gets hold of your heart. Yeah, is that true? You can't help but shout. Now, you might keep it all in. Maybe you're the person that goes like this. God bless you. You're going to do yourself damage one day. (laughs) But the shout wants to come out. And so we're going to look at that today. I've recently discovered this fresh revelation of the shout. And I want to tell you a little bit of story. It's a hard story to tell. Let me tell you a little bit of why the shout means something to me at the moment. My youngest daughter has just recently beaten the eating disorder anorexia nervosa. We, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, hallelujah. And when I say beaten, we are always vigilant and always diligent, but there's incredible fruit in her life and we're seeing incredible outcomes take place and we're a good 12 to 18 months behind, it's behind us. And so I'm seeing God do some amazing things. The point of it is this, the journey that Rochelle and I had in walking with her was like most parents who are walking with children who are struggling it is desperate. You know, you, you, you would understand that, and all of us have got our different story, and I, I appreciate that, and I, I empathize with you pastorally about everything you're walking through. But in the last bunch of years, this has been a great pain to us because we've watched our little girl literally go from this beautiful grade 11, grade 12 year girl down to this thing that was, was literally on the edge. We literally had the decision to make to hold her and physically force her into the car to go to hospital where she could be rehabilitated because she wouldn't have gone otherwise. And every week we lost another half, another quarter, another half, another quarter, and we were moving slowly towards that line in the sand where they have to hospitalise you. And we couldn't, and she couldn't seem to get anywhere. We were lost. We'd seen professionals. We'd spoken to friends. We'd done a whole range of things, and we were desperate. And I remember going to, to work every day and spending time with Jesus, walking as I often do in the auditorium at Mackenzie, just up and down, just praying to the Lord and getting the sense from God, God, what is happening? What is my heart need to be in the midst of this? And as, as praying that through, just the sense of the pain, like those of you that have ever felt absolute despair, that emotion just washes over you where you say, God, I actually don't know what else to do. I really don't know what else to do. Somewhere in the midst of all that, I'm going to truncate the story really fast, there was just a moment of connection with the Lord where I felt God and began to see that God was not outside our pain, but he was actually inside our world walking with us. And it's not just a a, a rational explanation. I'm not trying to give you some abstract thing here. I actually felt God say to me, I am inside your pain with you. I am with you. And as I felt God with me, things started to change. My heart started to get bolder. I started to feel like this wasn't just, this wasn't going to work out badly, but actually God was going to help us walk through this. And I started to feel the hope of tomorrow. And when you're in despair, hope is like a ray of sunshine. And so you hang on to that hope. And that hope would grow and it would grow and it would grow to the point there was one moment, and this is the part I'm getting to. There was one moment 
one early morning in the auditorium where I felt not just hope, but I felt the Spirit of God say to me, I am like a lion roaring over her. And I kind of saw the picture of that. And it wasn't just, again, an abstract idea. It came on the inside of me. I felt that. I felt that God was roaring over her. And as soon as I felt that, it was as if the, the despair went. And I could see through the eyes of faith that God was going to get us through. And it was an anchor to my heart. That day, if you had been in there, you thought, I've lost my mind. I was running around inside, literally running, punching the air and screaming at the top of my lungs. It's about seven in the morning. No one's really around. Facilities guys are away. And I was just going, yes, God, yes. And I'm just like this. I'm running around like an idiot. But I couldn't have cared because the hope that was in here, the shout of victory. Now, the reality was when I went home, she was just as thin as ever. But the shout of victory had got inside my heart. Now, I had to keep crawling back into that shout of victory. It's not like going home, everything was okay. There was battles, there was struggles, there was difficulties. There was fights as we were trying to work things through. There was tension in the home constantly. And I'd go back every morning and get refreshed. But once I got the shout in my heart, I would go back to that shout. So the shout of victory... There is something about that, and it's the thing you do before you see the outcome. It's the thing that gets hold of your heart that feels as if it's already happened. Faith sees those things that are not as though they were. And that's true faith. It's not just hope. Hope hopes that that's possible, but faith actually sees it and goes, it is true. And we act as if those things are true. This morning, we're going to look at this Shout of faith. If you say, look, I'm not sure this is for me. I get that. I get that at times we could say that I'm not that kind of person or that's not my style or that's not my upbringing or that's not what I, how I understand from God. I get that. But can I say this to you? As a human being, you're designed for the euphoric expression of faith. You are. You're designed for it. And at some point, all of us face the brick wall where our minds can no longer understand but our hearts are searching for truth. And when the God of truth speaks into your heart his hope, that's called faith. And you can hold on to that. And I, 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 I will say this to you for what it's worth. When you get to the point that you can express it in that way, you've got it. You'll have it. You'll have it. It gets hold of you more than, more than anything else. If the enemy has tried to come and steal your confidence, your courage and your strength, then the shout of faith is for you. If the enemy's tried to steal your joy, destroy your reputation, or kill your purpose, the shout of faith is for you. If you feel like discouragement has camped at your door to steal your calling and rob you of a future harvest, the shout of faith is for you. If you found yourself on the defensive rather than the offensive all the time, then it's time for the shout of faith. If you believe the lie that you are finished, or someone around you is finished and there is no hope, then the shout of faith for you is for you. God is never saying that. God is never saying it's over because tomorrow is always greater in God than today. It always is. His future and hope for you is greater than your current experience. It's true for me. And so if we can develop the ability to look up and put our eyes out to what God is saying, if we can silence the noise around us, we can find 
the shout of faith. All right, let's open our Bibles. I want to have a look at one of the great shouts of faith. It's the Battle of Jericho. And I actually think in this battle, there is, there is some principles that they did that was the precursor to, it created the conditions for the shout of faith. And I'm hoping this morning that you will be able to catch hold of that. Can we pray? God, I ask you for the spirit of revelation to be in our hearts this morning. God, these are just words unless you bring them alive inside us. God, would you birth in us for those this morning that need to hear the Spirit of God speak, God, would you speak to them? God, this morning, where there is a need for faith to rise in the midst of despair, Father, would faith arise? God, this morning, I pray, give us the eyes to see what you are doing around us so that our hearts can be encouraged and, God, that we can climb back into that place where we walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it was time for the children of Israel to cross over into the promised land. They spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And while they were wandering in the wilderness, of course, a whole generation had died out and they'd come to the banks of the River Jordan. They were going to cross over to Gilgal on the other side. And God was preparing them to do that crossing. And what he said to them was, it's time to firstly renew your covenant with me. And so he had all the males circumcised according to the law of Moses, which they hadn't done for a generation. But now they said, okay, we're about to go into the promised land. Before you set foot on that land, before you take hold of the promise, catch this, before you get hold of the promise, firstly, I want you to consecrate yourself to me. You need to know that I am your God and you are my people. You need to know that I am your God and you are my people. The sense of covenant and connection with God had to be established first. And so they were circumcised. Then they celebrated the Passover meal. The first time they'd celebrated it uh, in, the, in the promised land. In fact, they said on that day, that's when the manna stopped. And then from then on, they actually took the Passover from the fruit of the land. So there was a great change of season happening in this time. And so as they did that, and as the priests went to the water, and we'll fast forward the whole story, and the river Jordan uh, you know, went back, the waters went back, and they walked across with the priests on dry land. Same miracle as the Red Sea, as Joshua's leadership was being transferred to him, and God was anointing him for the purpose. They walked across, and they found themselves in the promised land. Let's pick up the story, Joshua 6 and verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho, which was the first city, into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day... You shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight before him. 
jump to verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. It's really important. Mark that in your, in your mind. Verse 12, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and so they did for six days. Then it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early, about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. You've got to incubate your shout. The first step in incubating your shout is this idea of standing, standing before the Lord. Who are you before God? Who is God to you? And who are you before God? Because if I'm going to come to God, and if I'm going to ask God, and I'm going to walk with God, and God's going to walk with me, then I've got to know who I am before God. I've got to be reminded of that. And, and as I was doing the journey with Abby, my challenge in my heart was, God, I'm coming before you. I'm full of anxiety and fear and desperation. But God, you are not full of that. God, I need to be able to hear what you are saying to me. I've got to be able to get rid of this that's in me so that I can hear what you want me to do. And I need to know what the next steps need to be. But first, in order for me to even do that, I've got to know, well, God, who am I before you? Am I okay to even ask this question? Is this okay that I do this? God, the God of heaven, are you listening to me? Have you ever asked that question? God, are you listening? How do I even know when I speak to him that he's listening? Your standing tells you that he's listening. God had made a covenant with Israel beforehand, 400 and something years before that. He'd made a covenant and said, I'm going to take you into the promised land. You are my people. And I'm going to show you you're my people by giving you the promised land. He's now take them to the promised land. And what he said is, now we're going to renew the covenant of which I told you. God saying, your standing is the standing I'm giving you. I've predetermined this for you. Now enter into that covenant awareness with me. Can you hear the language? Enter into the covenant that I've already given you. Enter into it. You enter into it. How did they do it? They circumcised all the males. The covenant was written into their flesh. In other words, it wasn't just an idea in a book written down on parchment papers. It was written into who they are. They are covenant people. 
and they etched it into who they were. It became part of their consciousness, became part of their lived experience. It became part of their understanding of who they are. It became deeply embedded in the identity of who God said they are. He is their God and they are his people. It's not just an abstract thought. It is a conscious awareness. It is a yoke that they placed over themselves, albeit an easy yoke and a light yoke, but still a yoke. They clothed themselves in the covenant. Standing before God. Before they could shout, they needed a fresh revelation of who God was and who they are to him. God has made a covenant with you too. His name is Jesus. He has written into his flesh because he was divine and he became human. He stood in your shoes. He is in your shoes. He is fully human and fully divine. He is an etched divine contract in human form. To this day, Jesus is the testimony of God's withness with you. You can't help but see it. He is God in flesh. And he's saying, I've made my home with you. I've become like you. I'm standing beside you. I'm not just your saviour and your Lord. I'm that, absolutely. I am the champion of your salvation. I am the firstborn amongst many brethren. But I'm also your prototype. I am what human beings should look like. I've come to demonstrate to you what relationship with the Father should be. I'm showing you and I'm giving you my relationship as your righteousness. You're not outside, you're inside. And we have to go from being, that's a nice religious idea, to actually stepping into, that's my lived experience. I'm going to write that into my flesh. I'm going to live as if that's true. I'm going to take hold of that like that's true. In other words, the father of Jesus his Lord and Saviour, his God that he speaks about when he says, our Father who art in heaven, he's inviting you into that same relationship. It's a big idea. And everything inside us goes, eh, I'm not sure that's, that's a bit big for me. But that's the journey. See, that's the journey. He's saying, no, no, come. Come, come, come. And we take the steps in like, Really? Intimacy with the Father, is that really, really? Yes. I can't give you an argument, why not? I've taken your sin off you. There's no enmity between you and heaven anymore. Come. Oh, but God, I can give you a hundred reasons. Yes, I know you can. Well, I'm going to work on them one at a time. I don't care about that one. I don't care about that one. I don't care about that one. You give me every reason, I'll butt them away. Standing before the Lord, the power of the lamb that was slain, the power of the sin and separation has been removed. God has come into the alienation of our world, the far country of where we've been separated from him. And he said, I found you, now come back with me. You have standing. We've got to find a fresh revelation of that standing every day, every day, every day, every day. 
Every day we've got to eat from the manna of heaven. We've got to feed on the flesh of Jesus. Remember when he said that to the people when they were listening, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And they said, what kind of doctrine is this? And the disciples went to leave. And he said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, where will we go? You have the voice, you have the words of life. He was talking about eating, standing in my experience of the Father. Live like I live. Abide in me and let my words abide in you. It's a big idea your level of felt intimacy with God is in direct proportion to the depth of the revelation you have of your standing let me say that again your level of felt intimacy with God your heart connection is in direction proportion to the depth of revelation you have of your standing How you see your standing before God affects your intimacy with him. That's the work of faith, folks. That's the work of faith. Pressing that into our hearts. I know when I walked up and down for months and months praying about Abby, I had to go back to the place of standing. I had to know why I was there. It's not about her at the moment. It's actually, God, I've got to find you. I've got to find you. I've got to know that I'm actually talking to my father. Do do you know? I've got to feel the fatherness of God in the conversation before I can have the conversation. Otherwise, I'm talking to the wall in my head. He's listening, but I'm not hearing. Second thing, the second part that builds the shout is silence. If the first is standing, the second is silence. In verse 10, Joshua, it says this, Joshua commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you'll shout. Isn't it interesting? In this journey of victory, the chatter is not helpful. Don't talk. The first thing that's going to come out of your mouth is a shout of victory. So I'm going to leap from despair and hopelessness to a shout of victory. Well, hang on, can't I talk my way through it? Can't I have lots of conversations and get with people and blah, blah, blah? Probably not. You're probably not going to get faith from that, to be honest. It's going to come from the connection, the heart connection with you and God, and out of that is going to incubate something that when you finally do say something, it'll be a shout of victory because something's going to build inside. How's that going to happen? Well, I'm going to need silence. I'm going to need silence because everything I bring to the conversation is irrelevant. All I could tell God was what the medical people were telling me. That's all I could tell God. He didn't need to know that. He already knew that. It's not like telling him that's going to help. He could see what was going on. He's standing there with us. I, me giving him a long list of things that have to happen, and God, I'd like this to happen, and God, I'd like that to happen, and God, I'd like this to be the next thing. What is the point of that? What do I know? I need a miracle. You need a miracle, whatever that might be. And so I've got to find out what God's already doing. And here's the point. We're not shouting at God. Like I said before, we're shouting with him, which means he's already in this. So what's he saying? And I've got to get quiet enough to know what he's saying. 
I've got, to get, I've got to get all of my despair to stop, my fear that wants to speak, the thing that wants to talk to me on the inside of my heart and tell me it's hopeless, it's never going to work. Have you seen the stories of what happens to these girls? You, it's, it's, it, it's a nightmare. Do you know the statistics? The rational mind will go to work and I will overthink my way into a place of absolute anxiety. Have you ever been there? You're talking to a classic overthinker. I've been there. The question is, what is God shouting? What is God shouting? Because if I can hear it, oh, if I can hear it, then I can agree with it. What was God shouting in the Jericho story? Have a look at this. It's so powerful. Notice for the first six days and most of the seventh, no one was uttering any sound. God, though, has, was shouting something. There was a picture. The Ark of the Covenant was going around Jericho and there were trumpets in front of it that were trumpeting. God's trumpets were trumpeting. The covenant was going around the outside of the walls and they did that for six days, once. And then they all went back to camp. On the seventh day, they all came out again and in the same procession, with the Ark of the Covenant, the tablets of stone, these are the words of the Lord written down on stone, and a trumpet trumpeting those things. No human voice is involved, remember. It's the trumpet that's trumpeting that. They're walking around seven times around then on the seventh day. The numbers mean something. Have a look at this. They're looking at the Jubilee. In the Bible, we'll talk about it in the men in Leviticus the year of the Jubilee happened every 50 years. So you had seven days, and then on the seventh day, you went around seven times. There were seven trumpets. There were seven priests. They were walking around. God was speaking numerically in the, can, in the land of Canaan. He was walking through. He was walking through. No man was speaking. He was walking through, speaking the year of Jubilee. He was speaking the Jubilee. What is the Jubilee? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to Leviticus 25 and verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years. And the time of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be to you 49 years. Seven times seven is 49. Then you shall cause the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on the 10th day of the seventh month on the Day of Atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all the land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. In the jubilee year, all debts are forgiven. All families are reunited. All slaves are set free. This was the plan of God in the law of Moses, that the Jubilee year would be the time when the promise would be reset again through all the land. The Jubilee year. God was declaring the Jubilee year. This was not going to be a normal battle because this battle was going to be a gift of the Lord to the children of Israel. He was gifting this land to them. And it was going to start with the first battle. What an incredible God. He's thought of everything. Can you imagine what the people were murmuring in the camp? Now, no one was talking when they were walking around, but they went back to the camp. Can you imagine what it was like around the coffee pot? What is Joshua doing? 
What a ridiculous battle strategy. I happen to hear that the Amalekites have got this special battering ram that they've developed. Why aren't we over there getting the plans for that? What on earth are they doing in the management team? How come the leadership here have no idea what's going on? Oh, blah, 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 oh, blah, 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 blah. We know, we've seen how war works. This is not how it works. Trumpets, priests, what can priests do? They're hopeless. They're flat out making a cup of tea at night time. We're going to die. The faith of the people that's forced to look at the natural environment will always speak like that. But there's other people who are looking past that going, hang on a minute. God's, what's our plan again? This sounds like Jubilee. This sounds like the return of something. God's doing something. The trumpet is declaring something and it's not us, it's God. He's speaking through the trumpet. Have a look at what the trumpets are. These weren't ordinary trumpets. If you go to verse 4, it says, Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Just have a look at this slide. It's actually not the right translation. Seven trumpets of ram's horns. In Hebrew, it's actually this. I, I won't be good at this, but it's Shiva Shovarat Ya Yovalem. Yovalem, Yovel is Jubilee. These are the Jub seven Jubilee trumpets. Not ram's horns trumpets, Jubilee trumpets, very different. The, trump the Jubilee trumpets were only blown in the 50th year. They're Jubilee trumpets. Makes all the difference to understanding the passage. The major point was this, God was walking through the promised land before the people. The Jubilee trumpet was making the sound. God's promise of his presence, the Ark of the Covenant, was the backdrop. His presence was there. The trumpets were declaring. A new sound was being heard in Canaan. It was the voice of the Lord saying, I'm here and I'm giving this land to my people. There won't be a fight. Well, there'll be a bit of a fight, but we're going to bring these walls down and I will give it to them. Ha. But see, unless you're quiet, unless you're silent, you can't see that. If you're the one around the coffee pot back at the camp listening to all the talk, you're not going to see what God's doing. You're going to get caught up in what's happening. You're going to get caught up in the facts. You're going to get caught up in the diagnosis. You're going to get caught up in the things that people are saying. This is statistically what happens. This is the best you can expect. You're going to have that as your rationale and you're not going to hear God. Who is speaking something else? And one thing I know for sure is he is always speaking something else. Jesus is our spiritual jubilee. Remember when he went to the temple before he started his ministry, and it was his turn to take the book of the Isaiah of, or the prophet Isaiah and open to the page. It just happened to be that day. It happened to be. It just happened to be that day. That the reading that fell for Jesus to do, we pick it up in Luke 4, came out of Isaiah 53, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. What is the acceptable year of the Lord? It's the year of Jubilee. Jesus said, I am the Jubilee. 
I, my, what I have done, I have set the captives free. I am releasing the slaves. Those who are oppressed are now set free. Jesus is our jubilee. He is the trumpet that has sounded in heaven. He is the word of promise to us. He is declaring his victory in the earth. We need to hear the voice of the jubilee trumpet. There are no captives. There is no one without status and standing. No one. Jesus stood with the woman who was commit, had committed adultery and said, I do not judge you. I do not condemn you. He stood with the Pharisee who would say to him, God, I want to believe. He stood with the centurion who said, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. Every facet of society, he grabbed the hand of the prostitute and said, come, follow me. He healed the leper. He touched those that were the untouchables. The woman with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment, she was healed and her identity was restored. Daughter, welcome back to Israel. He is the Jubilee trumpet. Can you hear it? Can you hear him? Finally, third, surrender. If we have standing, if we are silent, then what we hear in the silence we need to surrender to. This is the hard bit. I found, as God said to me, there was a moment before I felt God put the victory in my heart. This will sound hard for your ears to hear, but it's the truth. He said, even if she dies, do you trust me? You have to answer that question in your own heart. But in my heart, that day I said, yes, I will trust you. You release. I don't have the control. You do. But I trust you. Something happens in the moment of surrender and you give up. You say, God, I'm not giving up on faith, but I'm giving up on my need to know everything. I'm releasing control. I'm releasing it. See, here's what I've learned. God's already in your story. He's already there. He's already in it. We've got to know he's in it though. Because what our heart says is, God, I've got so much pain that I don't think you're here. God says, I'm here, but you've got to get rid of your pain. You've got to hear, let my spirit come on the inside of you. You've got to make room for me. You've got to silence some voices. You've got to basically clean out the cabinet. Surrender. I'd like to have used the word rest here but it was an R word, not an S word, so I said surrender. Good Baptist preacher needs three S's. But rest is the same thing. Rest means I have surrendered on the inside and I am resting in the, the promise of the lion of the tribe of Judah who is roaring. I'm resting in it. 
and it's settled. See, by the time Israel had walked seven days around Jericho, they knew their God was powerfully with them. So it made sense that the first thing out of their mouth was a shout. When Joshua said, get ready to shout, the jubilee is done. We've done seven times seven. We're standing on the edge. The trumpet's about to sound for the last time. Get ready with your shout. What was their shout symbolizing? It was their amen. They were saying, amen, God. I see it. We're in. Come on. Do what you told us you would do. We're all in. We've got no other options. They didn't, but they, they did. See, here's what faith does for you. You've got no options, yet you've got it all in your hand. You actually feel like you've got the answer. I know as, I, as this moment came and I felt faith flood into my heart for Abby, I knew we had the answer. I just knew it. I knew it. And you can say to me, you were just talking yourself up. No, I wasn't. I had faith. I had the real sense of faith that God was with us. I really did. And I was able to walk into her bedroom at nighttime when she was sleeping and I'd be able to lay my hands over her and say, God, give us the victory. Give us the victory. But don't pray from the place of fear. Pray from the place of victory. Can you hear the difference? It's different. It changes everything. Their shout was their amen. The euphoric discovery of the revelation of God's word, the euphoric discovery. It will change how you feel and you'll want to shout. You want to shout because you just got it. You haven't seen it, but you just got it. This morning, I'd love us to have a crack at the shout. Are you game? I know there'll be people in this room and you need a shout right now. You need a shout. And maybe what we're about to do for you will feel like a little dry. It'll feel a little bit of pretense as you're trying to find that place. Can I encourage you, step towards this and see what God does. There'll be others of you right now, you're standing on a mountain and you know, you already got joy in your heart and you're just going to look around and say, I'm... I don't have any need for this shout right now. Bless your heart. I'm so glad for you. <laughs> no, I am. Seriously, I love the fact. That's what we need to be as believers. Hey, let's see, let's see some wonderful, wonderful seasons of joy. That's part of the joy of salvation. But do it for others this morning. There'll be others today and you need that shout. You need it to come from somewhere. And something, I believe God's going to impart something to your heart this morning as we step out and do that. Why don't we pray? Can we just pray this morning if the musicians could come? God, we thank you. You are the God of quiet contemplation. You are the God of biblical meditation. You are the God that speaks in the still small voice. You are the God that we reverence, that we dare not open our mouth in your presence at times. But God, you are also the God of the shout of victory. You're also the God that says, See who I am, stand with me, and let my faith become your faith. God, I pray this morning for the hearts that need it. God, let there be an infusion of that faith into their heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, would you stand with me this morning? Let's.
Let's see if this works as good in my head as it's going to actually happen now live in the room. How much fun. Well, can I introduce Kevin to you? Kevin, come on up if you would, please. Here's our trumpet player for this morning. Round of applause for Kevin. Brother, nice to have you with us. This is, he's come from our McKenzie team in, and uh, campus yep. and, uh, and said, I'll come pray trumpet for you this morning, which is great. Just give us a, just a note just to make sure it works. Uh, all right, it works. This is the trumpet that's going to sound. We're going to, we're going to sing in a minute. And at the end of singing this song, we're going to blow the trumpet. And I'm going to ask you to begin to shout. The words are simple. Let me put them on the screen for you. Let me put them on the screen for you. Oh, so, there it is. Complicated words, I know. But I thought I'd better put it up there in case we get lost in the room, okay? All right. Come on, let's sing this one. We're going to sing Shout to the Lord because I'm an oldie and I love oldies. If you don't know this, you'll pick it up pretty quick. It's a wonderful chorus. Let's sing together. Come on. God. 
better than I thought, actually. It's amazing. You're a wild mob in the city. What a rabble of faith. I reckon one more time. Can we do that one more time? I reckon we don't have to sing the whole song. Let's just do that shout one more time. I felt like something shifted there. I don't know about you, but something shifted for some people in this room. And even if it's three of you, I'll be happy to do it one more time for you. Come on, Kev, give us that trumpet again. God, we thank you for your shout in our heart. God, for those that need that shout to more fully reside and resound within them, Spirit of God, would you write it this week into their heart more than ever before. God, let the euphoric discovery that God is with us enter into the fabric of our life this week in a new way. God, give us a boldness to speak to our circumstance. God, to speak to our enemy. To understand that you are our saviour, you are our king, and you, have, you rule and you reign. All things are under your feet, and God, we are seated with you. Therefore, all things are under ours. Father, would you put hope and faith in our hearts, I pray. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.